So let's give an east side welcome to Megan Schreiber. Um, if you don't mind, I'd, I'd like to start off with a language lesson uh, for you all. For you all. Uh, it is participatory, so if you would repeat after me. Uh, bonjour. bonjour. Okay, let's try that one more time. Ready? Bonjour. bonjour. Como? Como? Où? Où? Ye? Ye? Moi? Canta? That one's a little harder, huh? Kata. Good job. So you just said, good morning, how are you? I'm happy to see you in Creole. So now that you're all fluent in Creole, when you come, when you come on your visit with us, you will know how to speak the language. Um, so I, I just want to tell you, I, I am happy to see you. Good morning. I'm happy to see you all. Uh, so again, my name is Megan Schreiber. I have served in Haiti for almost 14 years now, um, traveling back and forth. And I have the privilege of serving alongside of Roro and Aline Ustash as the US Director for Haitian Christian Outreach. I get the honor of sharing with church families like yours um, what God is doing through uh, Roe and Aline and your partnership and the communities that you are serving. Um, and so, I, again, I just want to thank you for having us here this morning. For the last 37 years, Roe and Aline have been dedicated um, to doing something in Haiti that lasts. This has been their life dedication. Recently, I learned two new Hebrew words, and I feel like these Hebrew words describe their mission very well. Um, the first is mishpat, and the second is zedaka. And I'm sure I probably have butchered those, but um, however, they, what they mean is justice and being righteous. Um, or you can think of it as treating people equitably um, or in being in right relationship with. And so I know you've been studying Micah. And so Micah 6.8 says, um, he talks about these, these concepts and he says, he has told you, o, o mortal, what is good. And then now, what does the Lord require of you? To do justice to love mercy or to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. And so Ro and Aline, I feel, have been fulfilling this mission by partnering with Haitian Christians to transform a culture for Christ over the last two decades. This couple evangelizes, empowers, equips, and encourages communities. By partnering with church families like yours, Roe and Aline have planted eight churches. They educate up to 1,600 students per year, and they provide a population of a million people with a multi-specialty hospital, a surgery center, and they employ almost 200 Haitians that live and work in the communities in order to serve in these areas. They will tell you that serving in Haiti has never been easy. 
and over the past 37 years, it has been peppered with trials and tribulations. And today, Roe and Aline will also tell you that the country is currently in a state in which they and many others have never seen before. In the past 18 months, there has been a trifecta of events that have left the country in a total state of chaos and devastation, a condition that some are, are describing as inhumane. And unfortunately, they're only expecting it to get worse before it gets better. So what has the last 18 months looked like um, in Haiti? Well, starting with July 2021, the president was assassinated. This was fo followed by August 2021 with the largest earthquake to hit Haiti in its history in the southern part of the island, followed only days later by a severe tropical storm ca causing landslides, destroying major roadways, and cutting off communities uh, from resources for over a year. This displaced thousands of people. While the gangs have always been a problem in Haiti, their strength in numbers and in resources um, began to grow as 160 gangs began to war over territory. They blocked the only three main routes through the country, cutting off the supply chain, hijacking goods, and unfortunately killing many that crossed their paths. Kidnapping has become a business, and horrific acts against women and children were and are being used to control communities by fear. With no action from the government to assist, this simmering situation has boiled over in the last four months in a wave of continuous havoc. July and August of 2022 brought about the closure of the seaports and considering that Haiti imports 88% of everything that they use, with the closure of these, of these roads and the extensive roadblocks, you can imagine that when these shut down, everything stops. Custom workers could not get to work without being kidnapped or killed. Fuel prices skyrocketed to 25 and 30 US dollars per gallon in a country that survives on $2 a day. Many times it was being mixed with liquids, uh, other liquids, depending on where it was being sold. Today, if we can find it, if we can find it today, we have to find it on the black market, and it is at about $50 a gallon. Because nothing was moving through the country and farmers and merchants could not get to market to sell their goods, food was becoming scarce and expensive. Fuel, food prices actually tripled and inflation rose from 24% to 31% in August of this, in this, uh, this year, August 2022. So at this point in August, the World Food Program reported that 4.5 million people in a, in a country of 11.2 million people, they were in emergent need of food. The entire country was in urgent need of food for over a year. Then September, the entire country calling for the current prime minister to step down for over a year and the situation now being on a brink of collapse Messages went out over the internet and through radio stations stating that the prime minister would give an address. 
During this address, he called the people to come together and to support the government in building infrastructure. And the way that he was going to do this was he was going to raise gas prices even higher. So as you can imagine, this sent the country into even more of a catastrophic frenzy. Looting of NGOs and charities, um, grocery stores, banks, hospitals, and more. One of the gangs actually dug a ditch in front of the only terminal that dispenses all of the fuel, all of the diesel, the gas, the propane, into the entire country. A ditch that you cannot get across, and then they placed um, shipping containers and broke down semis on the opposite side of the ditch so no trucks could enter or exit. So since September uh, 12th, there has been no fuel in or out of that terminal. Communication systems are deteriorating. Hospitals have closed or are on last days of fuel, or at this time they were reducing life-saving measures because they need fuel in order to provide them. Water trucks stop delivering to communities that must have clean water brought in by truck. Those who use wells need fuel to run the pump in order to get the clean water, and they no longer have that to do so. Schools remain closed because of the lack of ability to get to school due to increased violence or the risk of being kidnapped on the way to or from school. Without schools, food, or other basic needs, this leaves our kids very vulnerable um, to be recruited for gangs. The gangs are trying to increase their numbers by promising a little food, by promising community in order to increase their numbers. October 2nd brought the return of cholera to Haiti. Many of you may remember that this disease broke out in October of 2010 after the 2010 earthquake. And while it affected 800,000 people at that time, it killed 10,000 people. It's estimated that if Haiti remains the same as what it is today, cholera, this outbreak, will kill over one million people in this country. So more than 40 days without clean water, food and fuel circulating the country, the entire country is in need of urgent, or is in urgent need of food, and over half of the population in emergent need of food, we have 1.3 million who are facing starvation. Today, very few hospitals remain open. Many are bleaching exam gloves in order to reuse them because they don't have the resources. And in less than 20 days from the cholera outbreak, it has now spread into five of the 10 regions across the country. And so as I describe this to you, it's not my intention to depress you. But does anyone feel the weight of this on their heart and shoulders? I struggled with how to bring this to you. So many times, 
it is hard to hear the reality of what our brothers and sisters are living through. But just as Paul expressed in 2 Corinthians to the church in Corinth, there are struggles that kingdom workers must hear about, that our partners, that our brothers and sisters hear that those of you who encourage and partner alongside of us, that you must be aware of. And it's not to, again, it's not to weigh you down or depress you, but because like Paul describes in in 2 Corinthians, he says it's in order that we're meant to share in the discomfort of what, what we're doing in life together in order to share in the comfort of what our God provides in the struggles, right? Within the struggles. Our God is a communal God and he has created us to be communal as well. Sorry. Thank you. He's created us to share in life together. He's created us to have relationship with him. He's created us to have relationship with each other. If we are made in his image, he's created us to have relationship with each other, right? Sharing in everything, the good, the bad, the ugly, as they say. The running noses. Paul expresses the greatness and the compassion of our Father, the God of all comfort, who comforts us again in our troubles. Not that he takes us out of our troubles, but that he provides us comfort while we are in them. And so he goes on to say in verse 7, Our hope for you is firm, for we know just as you share in our sufferings, you also share in our comfort. Verse 8, he says, We do not want you to be uninformed. He goes on to describe the great pressure that he and his companions are under, stating that the pressure is far beyond their ability to endure, so that they are despaired of life itself. But in verse 9, he also describes, Indeed, we have felt that we have received a sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but that we might rely on God, right? Who raises the dead. He's delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will do it again. He will deliver us again. Can I be honest with you? I feel like you guys are a pretty honest group. (laughs) There have been numerous days that I, that I asked Roro, when is it no longer safe for you to be in the country? When should we make arrangements to pull you out? And he says to me, I feel like my faith is so infant. He always says, man, God is all around me. God is all around me. You heard me read off what's going on in Haiti right now, right? Up until last Wednesday, he was in Haiti. 
And he's saying, God is all around me. He says, I know that God has plans for me. And so while Roe and Aline always come out in the fall in order to visit with partners and in order to attend different mission conferences, he would not come out a day earlier than had planned. He could not leave his flock. He knew that God still had things for him to do and he knew that God was, was with him in that suffering and that's what gave him peace and comfort. Roe knows that God has not left him during this trouble, during this time of great dis distress and despair. He listens for guidance and counsel of the Holy Spirit to lead him to stay or to go. So it's not naivety. Please don't hear that. It's not naivety. But he's listening for the Holy Spirit. And some may have, some ask, many ask us, will this current situation change what we're doing in Haiti? No. We are not called to stop. The why behind why we serve will never change. Christ has asked us to go into all the world and serve, whether it is within our homes, within our backyards, within the places that we work, whether it is thousands of miles around the world. The why behind why we serve will never change, but how we serve does tend to change, and listening to the Holy Spirit in that is what we're doing. And because of partners like you, Eastside, sharing in our burdens and sufferings, we consider it also pure joy when we can share in the comfort that God is bringing in the midst of the trouble. We consider it also pure joy that we can share in that comfort. So what does it look like for those on the ground to continue to do something in Haiti, to do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly with our God in the midst of all of this? God is raising the dead to life. Roro is actually being sought out and being asked to teach of the salvation that comes through sacrifice and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is a gentleman that you see on the screen. This is a gentleman that was brought to Roe that traveled three days to find him in Perido and said, will you teach me about what my friend is telling me about this Jesus? And so for four hours they sat and Roe taught him of the love of Jesus Christ and then he was baptized. Amen. The dead is being raised. <clears throat> the HCO churches are holding revivals, declaring today is the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is here. And in a time when the country feels as if everything has been stripped from them and that help is not coming, the Emmanuel Christian church are, churches are providing hope, hope that comes with the relationship of Jesus Christ. They are providing the love and community that is needed through the body of Christ, a church family, to endure suffering like this together. Psychologists actually say that trauma is what happens when people experience suffering alone. 
a specific long-term study of people experiencing suffering. Um, they studied two different groups where some people went into a downward spiral and they, they actually used addictions as coping mechanisms and recovery. While the second group, they actually grew and they found joy. And so the difference between these two groups were that the first they found they were actually suffering alone. And the second group, they were surrounded by a community, a support group, a, a, a church, a group of people who consistently gathered around them and walked through the suffering with them. That's what Roe and Aline and the pastors of the Emmanuel Christian Churches are doing. That's what they're able to do through partnerships with churches and church families like Eastside. That's what they're doing in community together. The Peridot Community Hospital, this is one of the very few churches that remains open 24-7 in the country. They are being a beacon of hope in the community, a community of one million people. Despite not being able to perform surgery at different times because of the lack of fuel, they are still open, again, 24-7, to serve those that they can with the limited resources that they have and to be able to comfort those who are suffering. They're also performing education in the communities to try to prevent as many cholera cases as possible. So while we are uncertain of the new and numerous needs that will arise from the current situation, what we do know is that we need to keep the lights on in the mission to keep our pastors and the hospital staff paid so that they can support their families and maintain our teaching staff so that they will be ready when the kids return to school. Eastside, your prayers, your support, your encouragement over these last several years have been invaluable and abundant to help us to do just that through the support of our school children, through preparing hospital rooms for the sick in order to help and be with them through that suffering and so much more. Your passion and your heart for Rowan Aline and the mission can help us spread the word of what is needed in order to meet the current needs. And so I wanted to provide you with some ways that you can go out and tell people of what's happening in Haiti and what is happening through Haitian Christian Outreach, through Rowan Aline, through your partnership with them and help others gain in that partnership. Tell others of the suffering that they can help partner in that comfort with us. And so here are some of the ways, obviously prayer, prayer for the country, prayer for those country leaders, for Rowan Aline, for the mission, for the gang members, right? I heard somebody say, you will never look into the eyes of somebody that Jesus Christ did not die for. Even those gang members, pray for them. If you're not already, or if you know somebody who's not already connected to the mission and, and they feel led to do so, they can become a monthly recurring donation, or a monthly recurring donor. Again, this helps our pastors, our school teachers, our hospital staff. 
on the 19th of November, while you guys are packing your, your boxes, we have an online auction that will be going on in order to help raise money for new vehicles that Roe and Aline need in country. Currently, their vehicles are falling apart. They're leaving them stranded. With the insecurity in the country right now, we can't afford or risk Roe and Aline being stranded. And so we, we ask that you please tell people of this auction. The more people that we have on this auction, the better. And they don't even need to have any connection with Haitian Christian Outreach to be part of this auction. It's a great time for them to find Christmas gifts, um, to find great deals on family vacations for the summer, things like that. But it's also a great way to get them connected to what God is doing in Haiti. November 29th is Giving Tuesday, and we'll be uplifting our general fund during that campaign. When we have this fund completely stocked, all other gifts are able to go directly to Haiti in order to, for us to spread our nets or cast our nets wider. And what that looks like is so many kids are going to be malnourished. You heard what the World Food Program is, is stating about the 1.3 million right now who are on the verge of starvation. The, that 1.3 million are in the communities that we serve. And so when our kiddos go back to school, we have nurses who are ready to go in and assess, are these kids in need of that malnourished program that, or that um, nutrition program that we will have started? And so while at this time we're unable to take people to Haiti, it is still possible to do justice to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God by serving HCO in these ways. And so, Eastside, I cannot thank you enough for walking alongside of us, and I cannot thank you enough on behalf of Roro and Aline for doing something in Haiti that lasts. Thank you. I was trying not to cry. Come on up here. So, HCO is unique in, in a lot of ways in that it is a Haitian-run mission, okay? This is not in what we call an NGO. Come on up with her. She's all embarrassed because she didn't know this was going to happen. Uh, in the, what we do in the United States, we don't tell them how to spend their money. We just say, you tell us what you need we'll get on board with you. Uh, and, I mean, Megan left a career as a... Uh, she a hospital actually, administrator. A, yeah, making a surgery center with the orthopedic surgeons, and I can tell you right now, those guys make lots of money. <laughs> right? Yeah. She, They're the highest paid surgeons in the medical field. <laughs> so she left that to, to work here, and we have... Georgia, she lives in Sarasota, Florida. She got to see the Oregon coast for the first time yesterday. She said, where's your palm trees? Anyway, and, and she is, uh, she's responsible for getting that word out to, through the media, through all these different things. And we, so we, we had, you know, and so I want to pray for these two. And I'm just going to ask for all of you out there, just reach your hands out. Reach your hands out to these two. I'm going to lay hands on them, and we're going to pray for them. Lord, 
I thank you for the opportunity to have these two here with us today. And Lord, you are, uh, you're using them to provide for all of those in need in Haiti. Uh, thank you for getting Roe out uh, and back here where he can continue to uh, spread the word. And we know that they are in, that all of all of these people, the workers, the hospital, the children, they're in your hands in Haiti. And so, Lord, uh, we just thank you that there are people on the ground there that we can support that are uh, that are believers that love you. That this morning they're worshiping you. They're literally having uh, revival meetings in the middle of persecution. We thank you for that. And I pray for these two as they go back uh, to continue uh, raising the call. They're watchmen on the, on the wall calling out what is happening for people to see and to listen. And we just thank you for them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you, ladies. So you can just leave that there if you want. So I'm going to be honest with you guys. There is something that struck me in the passage in Corinthians that was up on the screen. Paul said, uh, we are in a death sentence. Paul, when he was writing that, was in prison. He was waiting to go before the emperor. And he would eventually be executed for his faith. What's happening in Haiti right now is there are literally thousands, if not millions, that have a death sentence. Before something happens, before something breaks loose, our, our State Department was just down there last week trying to find how can we resolve this. We, there's, HCO has, has two containers sitting in port. They can't go anyplace because the port shut down. One's full of medical supplies that Dallas packed, and one full, is full of food. It's waiting there for the port to open, for them to be able to get that food out. But there's millions, millions of little children are going to die. They have a death sentence because there's a bunch of gangs that decide they're, they're better for Haiti. They have a death sentence. There are those that are going to die of cholera because they can't get clean water. All we have to do is go and turn on the tap. Folks, this is, this is your pastor's heart today saying, you know, we can't, we can't send a team down. I would go tomorrow if they would let me in to do good. I would go tomorrow. But nobody can get in. It has to come from the inside. There has to be a way to secure the borders. And somebody else is going to have to do that. Yeah. So, so we, our, our motto in missions is what? Pray, give, and go. Every one of us can pray. 
If you'll remember back when we talked about Amos, Amos prayed, one man prayed, and God relented, and he saved all of, all of Israel. What would happen if we prayed that, that the gang leaders came to Jesus? Can you imagine what would happen if the gang, if, if revival broke out among the gangs and they began to see what they were doing? We can all pray. And I, I'm going to suggest that each one of you, before you leave today, get an HCO brochure. You put it in your Bible. And every day, you pray. You pray that God will, will provide what's needed inside. That the hospital, it takes, it takes 10 gallons of gas, or diesel, I should say, 10 gallons of diesel to do a cesarean operation for a mama and a baby that are in peril. And you heard her say, uh, if they can find it, it's $50 a gallon. $50 a gallon. Pray that they can find it so that when that mama and that baby gets there, Kimberly's sitting here, and last time we were there, they delivered. How many babies did you deliver while we were there last time? Two, two babies. They got the, they got the night shift. <laughs> but, but hundreds of babies are born in Parado Hospital because it's safe. So, so pray. God, bring a barrel of gas to save people. Second thing. Give. We as a church support HCO. Every month they get a check. We just wrote them a check for $9,000 out of the Bradfield money to go specifically to disaster relief. And it was matched by, uh, they had a $50,000 matching grant that went with that. $18,000 went. Now you say, well, that's a lot of money. You know what? When you're going out and trying to find food from farmers to feed your families, when you're trying to get the nurses and the doctors in, I just filled up my truck yesterday, and I was complaining, I was grousing about $4.70 a gallon. $50, if you can find it. Give. I mean, it, you know, if it's a one-time gift, give. If it's if it's you're saying I want to, I want a partner to to sponsor a child, give. Because we are so blessed. We are so blessed. Give up, give up a latte once a week, and sponsor a child. That's all it takes. And when the time comes, when the time comes. We're going to go. We're going to put a team together. We're going to get on the ground. The last time I was there, I, Kimberly will remember this. We were in one of those wonderful uh, Toyota Land Cruisers, and we ran out of seats. And so I said, I'll sit on the box. We had boxes of food to go as we went over the mountain to Belize to, to uh, or Balance to 
uh, pray over some church property they were getting ready to buy for the church that's now there, that they have a pastor there that's preaching the gospel. They have a school there. They are, see, people are getting saved there. And as we, what I didn't realize is that every time we would stop, Roe would say, I need five bags. And so I would get up off the box I was sitting on and grab five bags of food and pass it up. Before we got over the mountain, the boxes were empty and I was sitting on the floor. Well, if you've ever sat on the floor of a back of a, of a Toyota Land Cruiser going over very rough roads, I ended up with a bruised tailbone. I would do that in a heartbeat to be able to see those little children once again healthy and whole. We can, we can do that. And, and you, you say, well, it, it just looks like there's no hope. We have a great God. And HCO wants to be ready the moment things change to be ready to, to go in and make sure that these, these kids, these people in, in the area and in, in the southwest part of Haiti and other parts are taken care of. We have that opportunity. God has blessed us so richly. So thank you, Megan. Thank you, Georgia, for being here. We're, we're going to come to uh, communion. And uh, I want you to think right now. In Haiti, there's believers in all of the churches that are spread all over Haiti that, that Roro has founded over the years. Eight different churches preaching to hundreds of people. And many of them are probably celebrating communion this morning. They're doing the same thing we're doing, except they're not going to have dinner today. They're not going to go out for lunch afterwards. That little morsel that they take may be the only thing that they have today. And they're going to cherish their communion. I want to read to you. I don't do this very often. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul said, For I received from the Lord that which also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup and after the supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you do, as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he come. Oh, come, Lord Jesus, quickly. Many times when we think about the Lord's Supper, we, we think about that great painting, right? When the Lord instituted the Last Supper, I think he looked across time and he saw our Haitian brothers and sisters 
sitting around the table, just like he saw you and me sitting around the table. And he looked at those faces and he says, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat. This is my blood, which is shed for you. Take and drink. As we take communion this morning, I want you to remember those faces that we saw up on the screen. They're no different than us. We're just all sinners saved by grace. And Jesus did that all for us. We have communion in the center, the back two corners, and the front two corners. Communion has the wafer. The cups are stacked with the wafer in the bottom, the juice in the top. There's gluten-free options in the middle of each one of the trays. If you'd be kind enough to reach into the pew in front of you and grab the hand sanitizer so we do this as safely as we possibly can. We have open communion here, which means you don't have to be a member of Eastside Christian Church. You just have to be part of the body of Christ, just as our Haitian brothers and sisters are part of the body of Christ. And they're doing it in remembrance of him this morning. So we will do it in remembrance of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because one day, one day when Jesus spreads out the marriage supper of the Lamb and we get to sit down. I don't think Roro's going to sit down because he's going to be all around loving on people. I've watched the man walk through crowds and touch and pray with people. And we'll sit down with them. Dallas, they're going to come by and they're going to take your hand and they're going to say, thank you for packing that container that had life-saving surgical items in it that saved my life. That's why I'm in heaven today. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Thank you that you loved each one of us so much that you didn't look at the color of our skin. You didn't look at where we were born. But you just looked at us and you said, you're made in my image. I love you. I love you. Thank you for sending your son to die so that we could have eternal life. Lord, we do look forward to that day heaven and we will see you face to face until then we take this communion in remembrance of you till we eat it again in heaven we pray this in